Hello, and welcome to Angular Air. This episode is sponsored by Angular Class. If you're looking for modern web development uh, the awesome way, or you need Angular 2 training, then sign up at angularclass.com. Today on our panel, we have Olivier Cohn. Hey, guys. Amy Knight. Hello. Patrick J.S. Hey, guys. And Carmen Papavechu. Almost. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And we have special guests, a number of special guests today. Uh, First in the room from Google headquarters, we have Brad Green. Hello. Mishko Mishko Every. And Igor Menar. Hi, guys. Also joining us today is Thomas Burleson. Hello, everyone. Do you guys want to give a quick introduction to yourselves for people that uh, may not know who you are? Starting off with uh, you guys at Google. All right, Mishko. Uh, I'm Mishko Every. I work on Angular team. I guess I'm the guy who started this. Yep. Hi, I'm Igor. I break stuff and then I fix it. It's great. I actually get stuff done. <laughs> I start things, he gets stuff done. <laughs> Learn. I'm Brad Green. I manage the Angular team. I'm Thomas Burleson. I'm the team lead for Angular Material. And on behalf of Naomi and Jeremy, I'm, I'm here representing the team. Great. Now, we have a lot of stuff today to talk about with all of you guys, but I wanted to uh, start off first with Thomas. Uh, thank, you, thank you for joining us. Uh, I believe that you have kind of a special announcement that we wanted to get in there to start off the show. Yes, I'm pleased to announce the release of Angular Material 1.0. Woo! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> for those of people that might not know, can you give us kind of a quick understanding of what is Angular Material and what's included in it? Well, Angular Material is a reference implementation of the Material Design spec, but it's an Angular native reference implementation. So we have, with Angular Material 1.0, over 32 UI components. We have a suite of UI services and support for gestures. We have a layout feature, which you could think of as a super-powered flexbox made easy. We have component theming for large suites of standardized color palettes, online documentation that's actually built with Angular Material, over 1,800 tests, lots of demos with source, and lots of code pen samples. That's awesome. So what does 1.0 mean? What does this release mean compared to just any other release? Well, after almost 18 months of development and community feedback, we've reached our 1.0 milestone. We actually spent the last eight weeks with over seven RC releases before we decided 1.0 was ready. Now enterprise and application developers can confidently use Angular Material. Our API is stable, and any changes we have in the future will have a deprecating support process. Our component suite is rich with, as I mentioned, over 32 components. We support Angular 1.3, 1.4, and 1.5. We have tested on IE 11 Plus, Chrome, Safari, Firefox, Android, and iOS. And Angular Material is ready to use. Well, that's great. So, I mean, are there any early adopters? Like, what kind of uh, momentum does the project have? Do you see it as something that uh, a lot of people are going to start adopting now that it is hit this 1.0 milestone? Yes. In fact, we have two groups of adopters or consumers, as I call them. We have a huge following of users within Google. Uh, in fact, Jen Beret has been an early adopter, spearheading the use of Angular Material with a whole bunch of her teams. 
And we have a huge community of developers external to Google. We have almost 12,000 stars on GitHub and 2,100 forks right now. Uh, the momentum is huge. In fact, I feel like we're on a skyrocket. Uh, in the last month alone, we've had 18 authors with over 160 bits. In the last two weeks, we've had over 220,000 repository views and 30,000 unique visitors. And our GitHub member list is so huge, the GitHub network view actually complains. <laughs> yeah, I know that uh, Lucas Rebolke is a good friend of mine, uh, uses Angular Material, and he loves it. He always tells me about uh, how great it is. Is it something that uh, works with Angular 2? What, what's the story there? Well, Naomi would never let me live it down if I talked about Angular Material 2 before it's ready. Um, but we already have some amazing preview work done by Jeremy Elborn, our technical lead. So you can check out the Material 2 components in the Angular 2 modules directory. Give it a, give it a shot. There's some interesting, great work there already. OK. Uh, great. And uh, is there anything that uh, anybody can do to help with uh, development of Angular 2, is it, uh, or Angular Material, that is? Is it just a matter of using it and giving you feedback, or is there anything else that uh, you need? Well, we love community feedback and community involvement. In fact, on our team, we actually have several members who were originally just casual contributors, and they were doing such a great job, we asked them to join the team. So please help us submit issues if you find any. Please make sure there, any, there aren't any duplicates, of course. Um, uh, we're gonna, meanwhile, we're going to continue to work on known issues and improving performance and browser support. We'll continue to add features and new components as we keep pace with the material design spec. And after Christmas, we'll actually focus more, a lot more on the Angular Material version 2 implementation. And we plan to release a new layout engine for, uh, with much better improved Flexbox support. We plan to add some features for material design specs for animations and transitions and adaptive layouts. And it will also improve our component theming. So we have a lot of great things coming in 2016. I encourage everyone to give it a try. You won't be disappointed. That's great. Uh, well, thank you, Thomas, very much for uh, standing by and giving us kind of that update. We definitely want to have you on the show after the new year to kind of a uh, full episode to talk about Angular Material. And also, I appreciate your uh, good design and t-shirts, obviously. Uh, <laughs> I love <laughs> Angular. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Thomas. All right. Have you. Bye-bye. See you guys. Great. So, uh, getting back to, to you guys, uh, Brad, Mishko, Igor. Uh, obviously, Thomas has been really busy. What, what have you guys been up to? Well, I wanted to announce that today is Igor's birthday. Angular <laughs> <Hey. laughs> and celebrate that with y'all. Happy birthday. And on Igor's birthday, he gets to do whatever he wants. What do you want to do on your birthday, Igor? Uh, we cut another alpha? We've cut a lot of alphas, man. The time for beta. It's your birthday. I'm not going to tell you what to do or how to do your job, but you know. I don't know. Should we do it, guys? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's excited. We, we waited too long. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> beta, beta. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for it? I, I was born ready, man. <laughs> a year ago when I said we were going to ship it. Um, <laughs> Let me check my terminal. Okay. All right, while he's doing that, I've got a little blog post that I'll just uh, hit publish on. We'll see how this works.
All right, so supposedly there's a new blog post out on blog.angularjs.org. Yeah. What are you doing over there, Igor? Checking the, checking the blog post. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, it's there. Okay, good. Oh, I, I guess I pushed that button. You better push some other buttons. <laughs> well, that seems simple. I mean, you could have done that any any time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we waited. Well, so. Uh, what does this actually mean for developers? You know, what does it mean to actually uh, be at beta? Okay, so we've been working on Angular 2 for quite a while now. And we've been working really closely with a couple big internal projects here at Google. Um, the, the short list is Green Tea, which is one of my projects, about 70 developers building an internal CRM app. They've been on Angular 2 maybe the longest. Uh, Google Fiber, which recently actually launched their first app on top of Angular 2. And then AdWords, which is this giant project. If you know AdWords, many, many screens, hundreds of developers also building on Angular 2. We've also been working with a bunch of external folks, um, folks like the Ionic team, building their next version of Ionic on top of Angular 2, the NativeScript team uh, at Telerik, building uh, native app support on Angular 2, and the Wrangle team, building Batarang, um, also working with the TypeScript team at Microsoft and many, many others, um, IDE folks, the WebStorm folks. And so we've actually gotten a ton of feedback on how ready is Angular 2. And this is the point where we've actually incorporated all that feedback, and we feel like it's ready for other big teams to start working, that we think you're going to have a successful time. So basically, if somebody wanted to build a production app, they could start using Angular Beta. We think it's ready for that. That's right. That's right. Have you mentioned the deprecation part? No, you could talk about that. So yeah, switching from break breaking changes. Yeah. Right. So in Alpha, we kind of were uh, doing breaking changes because uh, we wanted to get it to the, the stable point. Going forward, when there are going to be breaking changes, that we'll have to be, we will make sure that we have a deprecation story. So we'll go through a period where both of the, the changes work, and then finally deprecate the old one and remove it at some later um, point in time. Yeah. So if there are Changes people have to absorb. Want to give you enough time so it's not a, a jarring thing to upgrade. Yeah, but having said that, like we don't plan to make any major breaking changes uh, at this point of time. Like really, the beta is the period of time for us to absorb feedback and have people try Angular to see, you know, how, how well it works, what works, what doesn't. Give us feedback, and based on the feedback, we'll see uh, are these changes worth making, and if they are, they'll. We'll have the deprecation story. We'll deprecate some of the APIs and replace them with new ones. So when is the release? When is the release? Oh, minutes. Um, uh, well, uh, honestly, the alpha that's out there now is pretty much it. Yeah, we cut alpha 55 uh, an hour ago or so, and basically that's beta zero. But beta zero is just being uploaded to npm right now. Isn't there another button for that, Fred? Yeah, there's one. It's it's yes, but it takes a while to press. It's done. Look it, at that. Oh, it's done. Okay. It's on npm. It's on npm, and then we're gonna update the doc site. Yeah. Yep. All right. You wanna ping Naomi? I did. So Naomi would be here with us, but uh, 
the, this release has caused pneumonia or something, and uh, there's lots of coughing going on right now. But she's very dedicated. She's still working. So I'm kind of curious more about um, the migration process from the teams internal at Google. Can you kind of speak to uh, the different approaches people used and kind of what was easiest for them, what was hardest for them? I think that will really help a lot of people who are kind of sitting in the wings, waiting for more feedback. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, um, I'm really excited about this topic. Um, but I don't have a story, I think, that's going to match what external folks' experience is going to be yet. We, the, the three teams that I mentioned, they all just went for what we call the Big Bang Migration Strategy, where they stopped production work, rewrote everything Angular 2 style, and pushed it out. Now, I think we have some stories to share about how they did that, about the planning work that we did. Green Tea has the, like, they have like 500 components in Angular 1 style, and, you know, one of the gems from them was, well, look, you've got to migrate your services first because it's really hard to build on shifting sand. And so, you know, if, if teams are out there considering it, like that's you know definitely one of the things to look at. The we've just uh, received the docs. Um, this this guy Taro built a really nice Angular upgrade doc that's on the website now, and you can go check it out. And what he did was he took the PhoneCat example from Angular one and migrated it a little bit by little bit fully to Angular 2. And so you get to see the starting point. Um, he uses TypeScript in this example. We'll have a, a ES5 version at some point. But this also kind of shows how you can use TypeScript with Angular 1 if you want to just do that and use the typings files and all that. But eventually get using ng-upgrade to a middle state where I'm using half and half, and then get all the way to the final state where I remove all Angular 1 and I can take advantage of all the Angular 2 bits. You mentioned that your, all your internal teams used the Big Bang strategy. Do you think that that's going to be the norm? That obviously they they have the ng upgrade and other ways. There's a million different variations that people can use. But what's your feel on what what people most people probably do when they're migrating? Yeah, well, Mishka, you wrote ng upgrade. You want to talk about it? Um, yeah. So I think the internal stuff is a little different because most of our internal customers are on Angular Dart and Angular Dart one. Going to Angular Dart uh, two, or Angular two in Dart, and that's the, the people who are currently on Angular two. Yeah, and that's but a most most of our stuff. customers. We have a distribution, right? Most of the other ones are on Angular JS. So for those that are on Angular JS, we have this nifty ng uh, upgrade story, and that basically means that you can run both of the frameworks uh, together on a single page, and you can pick and choose which component you migrate one at a time. And a, and a really nice thing about the ng upgrade is that. Because two of the two of the frameworks run concurrently at the same time, you don't have to start with leaves or with services and then upgrade in a consistent manner. Rather, you can do it much more ad hoc um, way. Yeah, you can do it like yeah, one view at a time. That's right. Yeah, and you get the benefits as you go along. So as you convert over to Angular two, you'll get all the benefits in terms of the speed, uh, type safety, and so on. So the syntax and the templating. Yeah. Okay. We're actually starting two pilots in the upcoming weeks. One is going to be internal ng upgrade from Angular 1 JS application to Angular 2 JS application. Uh, the guys just started upgrading to 1.5, uh, which is just about to be released. And from there, their plan is to go to 2.0 with uh, TypeScript. So we will 
we'll start this pilot internally, and then we're working with some external companies. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but um, uh, we, we're going to do an external pilot out as well with uh, with uh, some companies we feel very comfortable working with, uh, where we try out the LG upgrade story for Angular One JS applications. We document it, document the best practices, and then share it with everybody. Yeah. So we'll we'll share all these stories. I know a lot of people are interested. How do I get from one to two? And we'll, we'll share more. I did have one other question I was going to ask, um, echoing a little bit. But uh, so, what are each of you guys most excited about in Angular two? Ooh. Igor Ship's excited about sleeping, probably. <laughs> Christmas. What What are you most excited about? Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited actually about all the toolability that we built into the framework. And all the tools that are we'll be able to be built, uh, web storms that will be starting, uh, and just being able to refactor not across not just across your code base, which is what most of the tools allow you to do today, but also across the templates and navigate through templates uh, and, and so forth. So I think that's the kind of cool thing. And just two weeks ago, uh, we had this big change in Angular uh, to Alpha, where we changed completely changed the syntax. Uh, we we made uh, the Angular templates case sensitive and allow chemical casing to be the way how you um, how you bind events uh, between templates and, and uh, JavaScript attachments. Um, this was a massive change. This affected all the templates of the existing applications. The one thing that uh, many people are probably not aware of is that at Google we have only one version of Angular. So when we make a breaking change like this. We actually need to upgrade all of the applications that run on that version of Angular, uh, which in our case mean, meant like touching dozens of applications and dozens of files. And the cool thing about Angular 2 was that we were able to build, for this particular case, we built just one time tool that migrated all the templates in a very safe way. And the reason why we were able to do this was because of the static properties of that Angular. Uh, we are able to analyze the templates and then make ASD transformations on these templates, uh, which allow us to get over these big changes and basically migrate lots and lots of files. We've touched, I think, close to 1,500 files uh, across the whole Google in this one migration. What were you using to for that, that transformation? Sorry? What were you using for that transformation? This was, this was just a one-off tool that we built. But uh, for, for this particular migration, and it's actually Dart specific, so that's why it's not shared externally. But our goal is to develop tooling like this as part of the Angular toolchain, so that in the future, should we need to make a breaking change, uh, we will distribute uh, tools that will allow you to upgrade your applications without too much hassle. Yep. That's cool. One thing I want to mention really, really quick is that if any of our audience watching has a question for the Angular team, you should tweet hashtag NGAir. Uh, we're going to leave the last like 15 minutes of the show for just for questions from uh, the audience. So definitely get your questions in now, and we'll be checking it in a little bit. Uh, Olivier, I think you had uh, another question. Well, I have anything I'm excited oh. about. Oh, yeah. Go for it. <laughs> uh, I actually, I'm most excited about the decoupling we did for Angular's rendering, so we can run it in Node and in Web Workers. You know, in, in mobile cases, we can make keep the UI, you know, 
perfectly responsive running Angular in another process, on another processor core. And then on Node, we get you know, Angular Universal, where we can get server-side pre-rendering. We also, in the Electron.js case, for doing desktop apps, you can run Angular in the Node bit and project the UI on the Chrome bit. And this gives you full access to all of the file system permissions and all the things you'd want to do in a desktop app from your Angular side. Just you as a developer don't have to do anything special. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Angular. 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 Yeah, okay, good, good. So I had a couple of questions about uh, the alpha. Um, it was a really long alpha, more than six months. Uh, how do you think that it went uh, for the team? Uh, it was a long effort to push uh, regular alphas, and maybe it was really hard for you. I don't know. Uh, did you have great feedback from the community? We did get a lot of great feedback, yeah. I think the alpha was longer than most people run alphas, only because we started so much earlier in the process. I think people really wait much longer before they, they, they jump Yeah, we, we, we released very early for folks to start kicking the tires. But it, like, it was great for us. We got feedback we wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But I think it was hard on the team. There, there was a lot, of, a lot of work we put into, and particularly because we have to sync it back to Google and get everything updated. And, yeah, a lot of work. But like, it was great to have the community eyes uh, on, on our work, because People caught issues that we would otherwise miss. Uh, we had great discussion with many people. Sometimes we got a little too many opinions uh, to consider, uh, but you know that's part of the open source, and uh, you know it's something we sign up for, and you know we can't just get all the benefits without uh, all the all the downsides. But in general, I'm you know very happy with how, how things went. Mishko, you always say I. I Wish it was back to the pre 1.0 days when nobody cared <laughs> yes. what we released. It was so much easier to make any kind of changes. You know, you just said, Igor, should we do this? And Igor said, Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. And he did it. And, and nobody had an opinion. <laughs> well, even now, our team's big. We have enough opinions here. But. Yeah, it was like comparing Angular 1 uh, pre 1.0 to Angular 2 pre 1, uh, 2.0. It's very different. Like really, in the early days, nobody paid attention. Like we did, you know, our best, and we screwed up, and then we fixed it, and then um, we tried different things. And in Angular 2, it was like whatever we were trying to do, we made it public, and many people jumped in and just uh, offered to help, uh, showed examples or use cases. Uh, sometimes. Uh, we ran into arguments and you know tried to agree on something. Um, so it was very different kind of development compared to Angular One. Did you get some feedback that you would never have thought about? Maybe some cool ideas for for the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one one thing that we one change we made in, in uh, one of the recent alphas was we prefixed all of the lifecycle hooks so like um, ng on init um, or what used to be on init hook it's now in, ng on init and one thing that I considered for a bit but then uh, threw out of my mind was using symbols for for this uh, kind of API uh, symbol is a new thing in ES6 um, and 
it was through this discussion on on the public uh, issue tracker that made me reconsider this and actually realized that I think that's way better API than, than uh, other options we have. But we're quite not ready for uh, we're not quite ready for symbols and computed properties. Uh, so it's something we're keeping in, in the backlog for um, potentially beta. We need to explore it more. But it's something that really was totally out of the question. But it was through the discussion on the issue tracker that we realized that you know this could actually be way better than anything else uh, that we have considered. And we're getting a ton of help from the community on documentation and the people who are writing it. Like. They're having to live it, and they're giving us tons of great feedback on usability and which things are missing on all the uh, the docs and whatnot. Right. You know, Warbell, John Papa, uh, Taro just submitted the ng upgrade stuff. So yeah. So what, how would you compare the quality of the documentation how it's going to be for Angular two compared to how it was for Angular one? You have to tell me, man. <laughs> like we're you know it's always hard to be a judge. Like I think it rocks. I think it's so much better. I think the thing that that all those those writers are doing is is amazing. Um, go, go check out the uh, the upgrading from Angular one doc. I, I think it's one of the better things we do. So so speaking about differences between Angular one and two, um, with Angular two you guys did a performance from the start. I think it was called like um, or fast from the start like practice where you guys um, on each commit on each like pull request you actually test like the performance of the framework. And see if any like performance regressions. That's completely different from from Angular One, where you just like said this is probably faster, I guess. Like how how is that kind of approach like now? Because um, I remember uh, I made a pull request and the Mishko was like yelling at me. It's like you you slow down change detection. And I was like oh whoops didn't know this. And it was amazing because it was just like there in the pull request. Like um, like how is this approach now like? Like, do you feel more confident about the performance rather than just thinking of it as we do like magic uh, previously? Or yeah, you want to talk about that? And to be uh, obviously, the, the answer is yes. <laughs> I feel a lot more comfortable with performance. Um, you know, we, we from the beginning we uh, did all the we took all the learnings we had from Angular One and we applied them to Angular Two to do performance. And it turns out that even those learnings we actually went through many iterations. It's actually, a blog post that we're actually working with Tobias on about all the stuff we've done. For both the uh, change detection, which is you know how fast the code, uh, how do we know that something is changing? All the iterations we've done throughout, as well as uh, the rendering. You know all the iterations we have done through the rendering. We have tried things like cloning the templates. We have tried instantiating components on the fly. We have tried query selectors, uh, but each time we're getting a little faster. And thanks to tools like uh, BenchPress, that allow us to see uh, these kind of performance improvements. Yep. And if you don't know, BenchPress is this infrastructure we built to be able to look at actually any framework or any piece of JavaScript in sort of the macro level, find out how it's operating at a very granular resolution, get memory profiling, be able to really trace down where the uh, performance bottlenecks are. Um, so if, if you're using another framework, like we urge you to also use uh, BenchPress and make your framework faster. So we focus on speed, uh, memory pressure. Uh, number of DOM nodes created, payload size, and, and many of those things uh, are not quite yet in beta, uh, but will be. You know, they're not uh, API changes, so we kind of push them a little later on, uh, but we, they are coming. Yeah, actually, there's there's a bunch of these optimizations that are still in flight. Like we're so so much faster than Angular One, but we can do better. <laughs> 
I also have. Oh, sorry. Go. Now I I wanted to ask. I was curious. Uh, what is the status of the CLI tool? <laughs> the CLI tool is being updated. It tracks uh, it tracks all of the alphas uh, and all of the beta after after this hangout. Uh, the current goal is to prototype as much as we can, um, bring it to feature completion, or at least something that we feel is like has a pretty good feature set, and then look at the internals and, and see how uh, that needs to be implemented. So. While the tool right now um, is, it takes a little longer to download than what I would like, and, and there are various implementation issues that I would like to get resolved. Uh, right now, the focus is on like getting the um, style guide uh, set up properly, getting the build running. You can totally use it for prototyping. You can. It's like it's one of the easiest ways to get started with Angular 2 right now. Um, we don't. Um, Push it. Uh, we don't like tell people to use the CLI tool as the primary way to, to start with Angular 2 just yet, just because we know that it's it's not production quality software. Uh, there are many features that are still missing, but we're definitely working on that. Yeah, but that that is the goal. Yeah, we want to replace the C or the manuals project startup, yeah. and it's come a long way. Like you should check it out. It's it's a pretty fun thing for what it does. Um, a lot more stuff to do. Want more contributors? Do you want more contributors? Yeah. Okay. So yes, yes, we would love to have more folks. <laughs> so it sounds like the CLI is one of those things that you guys want to get better before the end of the beta, during the beta period, to improve that. What are? Do you have a set of specific goals that you're trying to achieve during beta before you can go into full release? Yeah, it's in the blog post. And other than the CLI. We want to make the payload size for Angular 2 much smaller. Um, we want to improve the API on the component router. And we want to finish animations on IETNN so that people can build complete apps on that. OK, perfect. Yeah. Um, a small list of other stuff we want to do. I put some of them in the blog post just so people can see some things we're also excited about. But those that, that I just listed, those are the things that we'll do before we market final. Okay. The panel actually has a bunch of additional questions, but I want to get to, uh, we're starting to get a flood of questions from the audience on Twitter, so I'm just going to go through a couple of those to make sure we get them through, and then we'll uh, switch back to some of the panel questions. Uh, so first, um, Rakesh uh, is asking, is Angular 2 ready for large production apps? So we, we know that it works for large production apps for the one for the couple that we've seen. We know it works well for big development teams, and that they can you know make you know giant sets of components and do lazy loading and um, you know be very successful. Now we haven't seen all the projects out there, so we're probably going to get some good feedback from other big teams. But we know for the ones that we've shipped, yes, it works fine. Okay. And then uh, <clears throat> Ville is asking, will we eventually see static type checking in templates like you get with React and TSX? Yeah. Yeah, so this is what I was mentioning about the tools. Uh, when we were designing the templating syntax, we wanted to make sure that they're totally toolable. Uh, and I think tools are coming for this particular thing. Igor, did you have some ideas about TypeScript being able to be templates? I think I'm not sure. We have a start of a design on this. Yeah, we were thinking about 
you know, could we actually make TypeScript actually understand our templates um, so that they're part of the AST tree that the TypeScript works on? That's just kind of an idea. Do you want to talk about it? that, that we're going to offline compile? Yeah, so on. one of the big things that uh, we want to get done in beta is uh, template compilation, or make, it, make template compilation part of the build step, which means that uh, using CLI or just our libraries that we'll ship uh, in, in isolation from the CLI, so if you have your own build system, you can use them with that, um, you'll be able to point um, Angular compiler at your project and have it compile your project into code that you can ship it to the browser. And this means uh, two things. Uh, it means that we're able to do the work that usually happens in the browser during the build step, which means that the work is which increases the, the speeds up the startup time. And uh, secondly, it allows us to drop a big chunk of Angular because now the compilation is happening as a build step, so we don't need the compiler, the template compiler, to be included in the runtime uh, that is used to the application. We'll be able to cut a big chunk of Angular, and this is one of the main things we'll be doing to decrease Angular. And the nice thing about the side effect of that is that you get better security because you drop the Luxor posture. Yeah, you get better security, you get more speed. Uh, we can do type checking. Uh, as part of this step, so there are many things that will be happening during this step. That's awesome, yeah. <clears throat> we're definitely, for the Angular Universal stuff that Patrick and I are working on, we will definitely be using the template precompiling, so we're excited to see that as well. Um, okay, Julian is asking, what are the ben benefits of using camel case over kebab case for attributes in the new template syntax? Sure. So inside of your code, when you have a class, uh, you know, a property in a class is always camel case, right? Nobody has uh, dash or kebab case property names. Um, and because code kind of drives everything, we always wanted to have a camel casing inside of the HTML. Unfortunately, the HTML parser uh, in browsers to, it makes everything lowercase in terms of attributes. So once you parse the HTML, the information is lost. And so you cannot use the HTML parser in a browser. But so given that we're doing all this work already on being able to parse and compile the templates offline, and also be able to run in Web Worker and also be able to run uh, in Node.js, that means that we have to have our own parser that does not rely on the browser. Once you have your own parser, you have lots of advantages. One is you can make the parser case sensitive, which allows you to have the camel casing to begin with. But more importantly, you can actually get decent error messages. So if you make a mistake, we can actually tell you, oh, the mistake is online so-and-so of this particular file, whereas that information cannot be extracted from the browser function itself. So the, the, the kebab case always has been essentially a workaround or a limitation of the browser parser that we had since AngularJS days. And because we have our own parser, now we're able to um, sidestep this particular problem and just go to what we always wanted to have, which is have the identifiers inside of your source code match the identifiers inside of your HTML. So lower cognitive overhead. I don't have to yes. do this metal conversion all the time. I've had a bunch of people ask me, is this valid HTML now? And it is. Yeah. It is valid HTML. It's just that the <coughs> parser chooses to ignore camel casing. It makes everything lowercase. Our parser is more, it has a higher fidelity. So we follow the same exact rules of HTML, et cetera. Uh, we just get to see the, the camel casing, which the normal browsers can do. Uh, 
Yeah, it actually has nothing to do with the browser. It still interprets yes. the HTML the way it will. It's just on the JS side. How do we interpret it? And we do some better things. You actually caught some errors with it, right? Yeah, we caught lots of things. Once we switched our custom parser, and we made it a little stricter than uh, what the browsers have. The browsers are pretty forgiving when it comes to HTML. Uh, so we wanted to catch errors early, so we made the parser stricter than the browser. And we caught lots of issues uh, at Google, uh, in Ionic, in many, many other projects. So it's been very, very good for everybody. And everybody really likes this part of the feature. Most of these errors are like you know, forgetting to close uh, or not matching close tags, et cetera, which are technically errors, but most browsers will silently ignore and do something. But they can cause mysterious problems. They too. do cause mysterious problems, yes. Yeah. Well, we should also mention that um, we, we talked about community, community feedback. Somebody, after we switched uh, to the KCSP templates, mentioned, like, hey, how is my HTML minify going to work now? Because it doesn't have the fidelity that Angular parser has. Um, and this is really good feedback for us. Because, like, for example, this is one thing that we did not consider when we switched off. But the good news is that because we are, you know, we are planning to have a template compilation uh, so build step, uh, there's going to be no need for HTML minifier because there's going to be no HTML at runtime. Uh, but this is like one of those good times when community jumps in and says, you know, hey, did you consider this? And I'm like, oh, no, uh, we did not. Oh, but in this case, it was not a problem, so that was good. <laughs> <laughs> so Dimitri is also uh, asked, he has a couple of questions here, but um, one of them is, <clears throat> any plans to support Safari in the near, near time, uh, at least some hacks to get it working? Yeah, what's up with Safari on our build? Uh, it should work. That's a bug if it doesn't. Yeah, I know that we had some issues with iOS 9. Um, one, one thing that we've been working hard uh, just before beta was getting the CI environment up and running with uh, all kinds of browsers, including mobile devices. Um, we got in a pretty good state where most of the things were passing. But we were still seeing flakes, so we are working on this thing. But most of most of the browsers um, are well supported. There was there were some issues with Safari. Uh, we'll, we'll check into that. I don't I don't know the details. But it's just a matter of time. You know, give us a few days. Okay, good. Yeah, if you, I guess uh, people should just keep submitting issues if they do find anything new. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, and then last one, least in the list of NGAR Twitter questions, and then we'll check again at the end of the show. Um, but this important, important question from Hero. Do you guys drink coffee daily? And if so, what is your favorite type of coffee? It's critical. Um, we, we differ on this subject greatly. We used to be aligned. I'm glad you asked this. We used to be aligned. Um, OK, so Mishka, why don't you go first? Uh, I used to. I didn't know. Really drink coffee until I came to Google, and then I really got into coffee. I drank it all the time, ridiculous quantities of it. Was super jittery. Um, I even got into doing the, the latte art. Um, then I discovered cold brew coffee. It was, it was all great. And then one day I said, you know what? I actually sleep better, and I am in a better mood if I don't do coffee. So I quit. Uh, this has took me a couple of times to quit, but I think I really quit this time. <laughs> But I still enjoy making the coffee and going through the process. So I kind of joked that I am the drug dealer that doesn't actually partake <laughs> in these own drugs. But I'm happy to make you a couple of uh, a couple 
cappuccino or, or whatever. Um, so I didn't drink coffee until I was 40, and I got married, and my wife told me I had to, so it's contractually obligated. But um, I'm not picky. I will drink whatever dark substance there is in my cup. Uh, I am picky. Uh, I like to drink latte when I make it. So, uh, uh, and but usually I prefer tea. Uh, I prefer tea, good tea. Uh, All right, good job. <laughs> um, what was that? Sorry. I was just saying light roast versus dark roast versus medium roast. Right, right. So it seems like um, the, all three of you guys are obviously the leaders of the Angular team, and I and I sort of understand a little bit of like like Brad doesn't code that much uh, more recently. Mishko is sort of like does uh, a lot of like uh, designing for the future type of stuff. Like, can you guys can just talk about? how you segment responsibilities between yourselves? Because uh, it seems like there is a lot of overlap in, in kind of what uh, you guys do as far as like future direction of Angular. So he holds the whip. Uh, now <laughs> I do recruiting uh, blog posts and keynotes. <laughs> what do you do? You push buttons. If you need buttons pushed on your keyboard, Igor is really good at it. Yes. Mishko draws stuff on whiteboards a lot. Yes, talk to yeah. people. Yeah. For all the ideas. For all the ideas, you know. I remember, uh, for example, the new syntax of templating took a lot of corralling to get, and it turns out that uh, people love it right now. What is it called? Stockholm Syndrome? Igor <laughs> does a lot of corralling of ideas also. There, there's the, the team's big now. We have, like, what, 16 developers for here? Yes. And then, like, how many external? We don't even know. Lots. Twice or three times that. So <laughs> I, I have a question. Home. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I was curious, how are you guys going to celebrate? <laughs> and sleeping doesn't count. Uh, after sleep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question. We might go see Star Wars. Mishka was saying we should do that. Yeah, I had a CGPO for a while giving directions on ways. I got old pretty quickly. Okay. Yeah. He's kind of annoying. Oh, <laughs> uh, we haven't planned it yet. Do you want to come over? We're, we'll do like we'll do a big Star Wars outing. I don't know what we'll do. We'll do we'll make coffee. Yeah, Star Wars over Hangouts. <laughs> uh, they should all come. Awesome. Uh, so I, I know Brad, you hate this question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. So when is the release date of uh, Angular going to be? Now that it's in beta. Ah, it's it, it's right after we we do those five things in the blog post. Okay, <laughs> which is April twelfth. Uh, no, oh, okay. No, you just threw something. I didn't see it. You missed the camera. <laughs> April first, obviously. Clearly. Okay. Okay. We'll make it publicly available to track our progress as we always do. Like the final release date really depends on the feedback and how the pilots go and you know, all this stuff. Um, but we were keen to get it done ASAP. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, yeah. we're not waiting on a bunch of feedback. We know it works in big apps. It's just, yeah. like, did we miss anything big? Some of that might be able to wait after 1.0. But, you know, those, those five things. Like, we want some of the features to be complete. But, I 
Well, one of the things that I, I'm really interested in is really bootstrapping the whole ecosystem of uh, third-party components uh, for Angular 2. So we are starting effort on our end with uh, Angular Material for Angular 2. But uh, I would like to see many, many other things happening in parallel during the beta. So that by the time we are ready for uh, 2.0, uh, the ecosystem is already there. People can just start using components. And I think that that's really the, the most important thing in uh, Angular 2 um, for me, for me personally. Because in Angular 1, I feel like the ecosystem just happened without any planning and guidance and uh, style guide or you know how to share stuff. And it was OK, but it wasn't great. In Angular 2, I would like to. And I have one more. Um, so maybe I'm a bit sentimental, but um, I was curious, are you still going to do the meetups that you used to do um, in Mountain View? Uh, when Angular 1 was released. And I remember I was watching them, and they were so cool. And then Mishka was giving talks, and Igor was also giving some talks. And it was, it was really awesome. I mean, like now you have all these articles and blog posts uh, that we didn't have back then. But still, I found them so super useful uh, and enlightening. So I was curious if you're still going to do that. Carmen, up to this? <laughs> So I have this opinion that a lot of people read blog posts, but not so many people watch our videos, just by the number of hits. But Carmen, if you want it, we'll figure it out. I mean, honestly, we've, we've been kind of hiding out and not going to too many conferences. We did our Angular ones, but we haven't done the external ones. We haven't done too many meetups. But this is a year of us telling people how to do Angular 2. So you're going to see a lot more of us. Nice. I have a... Um somewhat technical uh, question. You guys work with the Karma team, which is developed by Google. Um, what about some testing helpers for Angular 2? Because right now, it's you need to add uh, a file with a lot of um, uh, shims to make Karma work with SystemJS, mainly. Do you know if they are working on something for Angular 2, specifically? Check out Angular CLI. Uh, Karma's already integrated into the, the scaffolding. So when you start a project, it will scaffold all the testing, all the configuration, all the stuff. Um, we are working on making that even better. Um, and that's that's one of the things that we are in the way down. OK. Working for this. All right, two last questions that came in through Twitter, and then we'll uh, start wrapping things up. Uh, one from Larry King who asked, uh, any reason junior devs should not immediately move to Angular 2 rather than still coming up with their learning curve on Angular 1? I, I guess this guy is assuming that um, they aren't like currently working on a project and they're just like coming into this fresh. Should they start right away with Angular 2 then? There's a lot more jobs on Angular 1 right now, but I think it's going to change quickly. Yeah, I feel like learning Angular 2 is actually easier, like more consistent. We, we've actually heard from some folks who ran uh, hackathons, that it's actually easier to learn Angular 2 if you haven't already learned Angular 1. Uh, the concepts we think are simpler, but you know, if you've learned something already, it's just harder to switch. But go check out, like, if you have learned Angular 1, though, like, I, I know I've talked about it a couple times, but our, our docs article on upgrading from 1 to 2 really talks about how to map those concepts from what you know to what we have in Angular 2. 
We also have this cool cheat sheet in the documentation that you can use to really quickly orient yourself. Yeah, I know during our hackathon that we had in Boston, the cheat sheet actually was used a lot. It was really helpful. So I definitely recommend that. Uh, and then our last question here from Shinden. What's the rationale behind manually importing all the directives that need to be used in a template view? That has been fixed. Well, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, this is one of the completions uh, uh, issues. Um, because um, in, in Angular 2, uh, we already talked up several times about tooling and ability to statically analyze templates. And you can do it really, really well if all the dependencies are explicitly defined. And if, you, if, if dependencies are scoped, then you can do things that you would otherwise not be able to do. By explicitly defining directives that uh, you are using the template, you are making it easier for a compiler to tell you about errors that you want to make. Uh, and uh, we can do better optimization on the code. However, there's a trade-off. It's a usability issue. Right? It's kind of annoying that you need to declare this dependency. Um, one thing that we made uh, in the, one change we made for the first is that you don't need to uh, import any of the core or common or platform uh, directives. So if you use ng4, ng here, those are going to be available to you out of the box. There is a way to hack Angular to expand this tool. Why would you tell them that? We're not going to talk about it. Uh, because we think it's actually a bad thing. Many applications, pretty much all the applications in Google that have been developed today have explicit uh, dependencies, uh, explicit component and directed dependencies uh, specified in uh, The reason for this is that. Just like you're specifying imports and exports in your JavaScript, TypeScript, or Dart code, you should do the same thing in It's a good practice. It's something that is uncommon, or it's not, it's not something that you used to do in Angular 1. But there are many benefits that you get, especially in large applications. I really encourage you to find dependencies because you will have a better, easier life for us to now, I was kind of sleeping there. Um, you talk about like <laughs> uh, auto hides the dependencies right? you when you use a directive that right. So what we are working on is uh, adding tooling that will help you catch errors and autocomplete all the code that you would otherwise write uh, by hand. Um, the CLI tool will also scaffold all of the model plate for you so that you can use it by that. But WebStorm already kind of does this for you. Like you, you use a directive, and it will auto do the import. So tooling can really help. I actually kind of want to also do a meta answer to the question, which is that when you're designing a system, uh, you know, my personal philosophy has always been to kind of make sure that we do it in a correct way first, and then add the sugar to it later. You know, sugar is something you can always add after the fact. Um, but if you start with everything being like automagical, oftentimes you get yourself into these binds where like things don't quite make sense on a, on a, a truly like mathematical sense, like some, some invariants get broken. And so we always wanted to kind of go from the end, angle of like, let's make everything explicit first to make sure we get everything correct in terms of dependencies and kind of being able to mathematically reason about the templates. And then later on, we always, there was always a plan to kind of make sure that we make the, the common cases easy. Victor has some really interesting looking stuff. We're calling it hipster mode, and 
Well, <laughs> that just uses a lot of conventions so you can get away from explicitly writing everything. But we're working on that too. Extra, you yeah, you're right. Sorry. Do you guys add sugar to your coffee? Something about coffee. Say what was that, Patrick? Do you guys add sugar to your coffee? No, no, no. No, no, no. Crazy. But it's funny, it's funny you bring this up, Mishko, though, because uh, I noticed that there have been uh, blog posts talking about, <clears throat> you know, looking at the syntax and looking at, like, how it looks different to one another. And I always laugh because... Like, like you were saying, that type of stuff is easy to add later. I mean, besides some of the stuff you guys are doing now to, to clean up the API, things like the, um, the template, um, uh, what do you call it, the, the ones that you can change the template syntax as well uh, through some of the tools that you guys have. Uh, you know, you could basically customize it to whatever you want. So, yeah, that type of stuff is always uh, yeah. fun when people compare at that level when it's so early on. Uh, we do have, I, I mentioned uh, that we had the last question, but I have one more from uh, Twitter that I, I think is actually interesting from Ville, talking about you know, web workers, and, and he's basically asking if with the direction that it's going with the integration between you know, with web workers, do you guys foresee that uh, you know, one day at one point that using web workers will just be a part of what everyday developers use as part of their tool chest, like not just kind of this weird extra thing that it'll be kind of really nicely integrated with Angular 2? Uh, I think the video's pretty close. It's, I think it's pretty close. We, we need some more people to try it out and tell us how it works, but it's got this really nice programming model compared to, like, most multi, multi-threader programming. It's very hard to screw it up, right? We just get past messages back and forth, and in a lot of cases, there's not that much for developers to worry about. Cool. All right. Let's uh, start to wrap things up here. We really appreciate uh, all the time that you guys uh, gave us today on this, you know, very uh, packed episode, uh, especially uh, between Igor's birthday and Thomas giving with the 1.0 release and the beta release. Uh, there's a lot that we went over today. So uh, we about trampling the Angular Material 1.0 release because that's a big deal. I don't know. Like we didn't leave with that. It is big. Deal. For sure. Um, one thing I just want to mention is that uh, upcoming on Thursday, we're having uh, another Angular Era, a Star Wars special. So, uh, Michelle, you guys should all check it out as well. Uh, movie director Kyle Newman is going to be on, who was at actually the premiere last night, and uh, is going to give us the lowdown. No spoilers. We're just going to talk, uh, geek out on Star Wars history and get ourselves ready to uh, watch uh, the new show. Uh, and then also we have on the 22nd uh, productivity tips with Ari Lerner, and then at the end of the month uh, we're going to do our predictions show with the panel on the 29th. All right, let's uh, start off with picks, and uh, Amy, are you ready for your picks? Yep, okay. I am. So I'm just going to have one pick today, and I believe that you guys are going to be on this show on Thursday, but it is Read the Source. So I've uh, watched a couple of those before, and they're pretty good. And I know if I am reading the website correctly that Angular team is going to be on there on the 17th, and it looks like, Jeff, you guys are going to be on there coming up as well. Yep. That is my pick. Great. Uh, Carmen, do you have any picks? Okay, so I have two picks. Um, one is Lighttable. Uh, it's a code editor. Um, I just discovered it today. Um, and it looks 
it looks pretty cool. Um, so I'm curious to try it. I just downloaded it, but I haven't played that much with it. But it looks very impressive. So I want to recommend that. And I want to recommend something that I've recently seen. I've seen an exhibition. Um, it's a light exhibition by Olafur Eliasson. If you ever get to the chance to see his work, it's really, really, really good. Um, so I want to definitely recommend that. So that's it. Thanks, Carmen. Olivier. Um, yeah, so I have a couple of picks. Um, my first one is uh, an article by Odd Zero about how to create a desktop app with uh, Angular 2 and Electron. Uh, we were talking about that, so you can check it out. Uh, I think that it will be one of the most used web case for um, Angular 2. So yeah, you should definitely check that out. Uh, my other pick is Angular 2. Um, there is an awesome blog post on uh, the blog of Angular, uh, so you should check that out. <laughs> cool. Uh, Patrick. Mine's also Angular 2 beta, also on the <laughs> Angular blog post. <laughs> so I finally get Angular 2 for my Christmas, so that's awesome. <laughs> cool. Uh, I do quick picks. Uh, I wanted to thank uh, Jason Goins uh, from aerobatic.com uh, who donated a, a domain to Angular Air called ngair.io that we're going to use for our URL um, shortener from now on. Uh, so I really appreciate that, Jason, and aerobatic.com. Uh, also, I wanted to, um, when everybody, and I'll put a link to the RxJS 5.0 beta. So this is a uh, day mm -hmm. of betas, I guess, and, and releases because uh, last late last night, actually, uh, ben Lesh uh, released the beta version of RxJS, uh, so that's pretty awesome as well. Uh, Mishko and Brad and Igor, you guys want to give us your picks? I like, I'm sure everybody knows the XKCD guy, right? The, uh, mm -hmm. um, the thing explainer, should get that. So there's a video that, okay, so we, we don't have enough to do, so some of the guys on the team made a video on the alternate way that this could have gone down on release. So I'll, I'll, well, if they haven't pushed it out already, I think like Alex Eagle and Jeff Cross and maybe some other folks are in on it, but um, I get a chuckle out of it. Okay, I have three things. Um, first, the Angular team, because all the folks on the team did an amazing job in the last few months uh, just pushing releases, making lots of really hard changes and making hard decisions. So thank you guys for that. Uh, second one, I have HTTP2, because I'm sick of bundles. Bundles are nonsense. <laughs> we need to just stop bundles. HTTP2, everybody, just let's do it. And the third pick is Christmas. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks a lot, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, like I said, join us on Thursday for our Star Wars episode. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.